the noon report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Tightening the noose. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. Israeli forces have cornered Hamas commanders in northern Gaza as they seek to wipe out the terror group for what it did on October 7th. Correspondent Trey Yanks. Overnight, Israel pushed deeper into Gaza. They say they were targeting Hamas's elite Nukba forces that participated in the October 7th massacre. That slaughter of civilians. The Israelis have opened up an evacuation corridor that gives civilians a window of opportunity to flee the fighting. Between 50 and 100,000 Palestinians have evacuated themselves from the northern part of Gaza using these quick humanitarian windows. Jonathan Kunrikis with the Israeli Defense Forces says these windows will allow emergency aid to get in and innocent Gazans to get out. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu We don't seek to conquer Gaza, we don't seek to occupy Gaza, and we don't seek to govern Gaza. Netanyahu says his only goal in this war is to make Hamas no more. U.S. Secretary of State Blinken says he welcomes Israel's pauses in the fighting, but adds more needs to be done to protect Palestinians. President Biden has a meeting of the minds next week in California with his counterpart from communist China. The Xi-Biden Summit happens next Wednesday at the Apex Summit near San Francisco. It's the first time in about a year the world's two superpowers have come face to face. One of the last remaining moderates on Capitol Hill calling it a career. West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin is retiring from politics. What I will be doing is traveling the country and speaking out to see if there is an interest in creating a movement to mobilize the middle and bring Americans together. Political pundit Larry Sabato says Manchin's departure narrows the Democrats' chances of holding on to the Senate next year. The Democrats, that brings it down to 50-50, and they have two other highly vulnerable seats in Montana, Senator John Tester, and in Ohio, Senator Sherrod Brown. Manchin faced an uphill battle in winning re-election in a state where Donald Trump got almost 70% of the vote in 2020. Many think the West Virginia moderate may be positioning himself for a third-party run for the White House next year. President Biden denying rumors that he's trailing Trump in the polls in the run-up to next year. Recent polling data suggests Trump ahead in five key battleground states. Reporter Brooks Singman. The Republican frontrunner narrowly trails in only one swing state, and that is Wisconsin, where Biden has a two-point edge. But the president defiantly told a crowd in Chicago last night, quote, since I took on Trump, we he haven't stopped winning and he hasn't stopped losing. But a new CNN poll shows if the election were today, Biden would lose to Trump and others in the GOP field. He trails Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley as well. Here's CNN's Van Jones. The Biden-Harris coalition could be called the, the Humpty Dumpty coalition right now. Just falling apart. The, the Latino vote on the ground, the youth vote on the ground, the black vote on the ground. This is this is not good. That CNN poll shows just 7% of voters think 
it would be a good thing if President Biden is reelected. Over a dozen threatening letters have been sent to election officials in half a dozen states. Some of them contain traces of the drug fentanyl. FBI agents and postal inspectors are racing to figure out who is behind these threats. Those letters were just dropped in the mail by someone who seems to be bent on terrorizing election workers. Correspondent Jeff Pagay is an 18-year-old student at Belmont University shot and killed by a stray bullet this week while walking in a park in Nashville. The killer is a man who police have arrested several times. He's been busted for armed robbery, burglary, and assault, and many are wondering why a guy like this with such a lengthy criminal record was even allowed on the streets. You're going to have more Jillian Ludwigs that again end up paying the price for this. This is a wake-up call for the people of Tennessee. Victims' rights attorney Andy Cobb, Jillian Ludwig, was a freshman at Belmont, majoring in music. The mayor of America's largest city is borrowing from the Bible in his pursuit of gun control. He's pleading with the new House Speaker to act ASAP. Mr. Speaker, you have said that your political beliefs are found in the pages of the Bible, the words of Jesus. Jesus' words of love, faith, and nonviolence should inspire you now to protect the innocent. New York City Mayor Eric Adams imploring Speaker Mike Johnson to enact an assault weapons ban. Thoughts and prayers are not enough. You have the power, Mr. Speaker. Use it to protect American lives. Adams spoke during a webinar with other mayors impacted by mass shootings. The U.S. Health Department's rolled out a new gender pronoun policy that could result in firings for misgendering. The Heritage Foundation says federal workers are being forced to deny biological reality. A spokesperson calls it breathtaking that the Biden administration would pursue such an Orwellian policy. The U.S. Education Department sent out a letter to college administrators warning them not to tolerate anti-Semitism or Islamophobia. What the Education Department wanted to do this week was really remind universities and college administrators that they have a legal responsibility to stop this type of discrimination that potentially is going on at schools. Oh, Erickson, with that report, planet Earth has just topped the 8 billion people mark. Experts say longer life Lifespans are offsetting fewer births. The population growth rate has slowed since the year 1960. The average age on planet Earth is 32. Fed head Jerome Powell is hinting at future interest rate hikes to get inflation under control. Right now, it's hovering around 3.7%. They're not ready to say mission accomplished on inflation. And inflation is issue number one for American families. I mean, you know when you go to the grocery store, you're paying more today than you did a couple of years ago. You're not paying as much as you did last year, but you still see these high prices, and that is a problem in the economy. Business analyst Christine Roman says despite the angst with our economy, Americans continue to spend money. The polls, they say they're pessimistic about the economy, but they're spending money like they're optimistic. So that's part of the riddle here. The next decision on interest rates comes right before Christmas. The U.S. Marine Corps celebrated its 248th birthday today. From the of 
It was November 10th, 1775, when the Continental Congress formed the Marines, which initially provided security for the Continental Navy. One of America's pioneering space heroes has passed away. Frank Borman commanded the first Apollo mission to orbit the moon, sending back striking images of Earth and reading from the book of Genesis on Christmas Eve, 1968. After leaving NASA, Borman was CEO of Eastern Airlines and a familiar face in TV ads. I fly Eastern, but you don't have to. So we have to earn our wings every day. Frank Borman was 95 years old. Steve Cafin reporting still to come on the Noon Report. Alleged assault at Clyde Savannah. Why did he do it at Tioga Downs? And spreading Christmas cheer on the railroad tracks. Good afternoon, I'm Kevin Williams. A chilly weekend is ahead, but a pretty uneventful one weather-wise. I'll have forecast details coming up in 10. All right, we'll see you then. Thanks, Kevin. Tomorrow is Veterans Day, and yesterday, Williamson High School in Tioga County, Pennsylvania, held a special event to celebrate our war heroes, Williamsville Principal William Butterfield. It's a great day for our students because I think a lot of times they don't recognize or they don't know the neighbor or the person that lives down the street or the teacher whose class they have uh, served in the military. Williamsville High will be a host site next summer for the Moving Vietnam Wall. It's a half-sized traveling replica of the real thing, the National Vietnam Veterans Memorial which is located in our nation's capital. Big news in western New York. Congressman Brian Higgins is resigning. The 64-year-old Democrat not seeking re-election. Instead, he will become the new president of the Shays Performing Arts Center in Buffalo. There's a whooping cough epidemic at Carlisle High School in Pennsylvania. Ten students there have the highly contagious respiratory illness, also known as pertussis. I haven't seen a pertussis outbreak around here for a long time. UPMC's Dr. John Goldman says pertussis usually starts as a cold and then develops into a debilitating cough. You wonder if the people who got it were vaccinated. The infectious disease expert thinks this whooping cough outbreak may be due to a larger percentage of the population not getting vaccinated. The downside of people not getting the vaccine is we see old illnesses come back. Typically, teenagers do not get whooping cough. It's something more often found in infants and toddlers. And Athens Pennsylvania man arrested on arson charges for a fire yesterday that killed more than two dozen racehorses at Tioga Downs Casino and Racetrack in Nichols, New York. Cops say this guy, 32-year-old Boyd Fenton, sparked the blaze in a barn early Thursdays being held at the Tioga County Jail. Four teenagers have been arrested in Clyde, New York, in connection to a horrific sex abuse scandal at the Clyde Savannah High School. How did all this happen and what went wrong? That case has stunned the tiny community of less than 2,000 people in Wayne County. It's just crazy. You would never expect it. This happened in a town of, what is it, I think 1,500 people or something around there. We're not a big town. Police say a young teen was assaulted in a boy's locker room and those who did it had the audacity to post that crime 
on social media. All four suspects will be back in court next week. A woman who taught school for more than 20 years in Rochester, New York, was killed yesterday when her car was hit by a deer. 58-year-old Judith Purdy hit the deer on her way to work on Route 19 in the town of Leroy, Genesee County. New York's poised to become the next battleground in the abortion debate. Here's Family Life's Jeremy Miller. State Democrats hope to boost voter turnout next year with a proposed amendment guaranteeing abortion. Republicans are not convinced it will impact the ballot boxes in a state where most voters rank crime, the cost of living, and the migrant crisis as major issues. Pro-life advocates say Republicans need to do a better job of discussing the issue with voters and make issues like adoption and the cost of living for pregnant women part of the debate. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro is making it easier for people with autism to get better insurance coverage. He's announced a new directive requiring health insurers regard autism services as mental health services and to cover those expenses fairly. 55,000 Pennsylvanians are diagnosed with autism. New York Governor Kathy Hochul touting new crime numbers that show overall crime down in the Empire State. That's a basic right of every citizen is to be safe. The governor citing progress in tackling a rise in stolen cars and says she's also focused on combating retail theft. I can give you all kinds of statistics on crimes that are up, crimes that are down, but you know this because you're living it. But know that I'm committed 1,000% to working with you to solve these problems, to give people that sense of security. In the 57 counties outside of New York City, gun-related crimes are also down. Governor Hochul has named sex therapist Dr. Ruth the state's first ever ambassador for loneliness. In assuming that role, the 95-year-old Holocaust survivor becomes the nation's first loneliness ambassador. Dr. Ruth will be tasked with finding ways to help New Yorkers overcome their social isolation. Earlier this year, the U.S. Surgeon General declared loneliness a public health crisis. A record rail car caravan this weekend in southwest Pennsylvania. It will benefit kids for the holidays. 22 rail car operators plan to collect gifts tomorrow along the tracks from Huntingdon to Hempfield. Their goal is to form a 40-mile caravan. Stops are planned at several communities along the way to gather unwrapped presents. Those gifts were collected by the U.S. Marines annual Toys for Tots program. Last year, the program collected more than 2,500 toys for kids in need at Christmas time. Sarah Harnish, Family Life News. All right, Sarah, thank you very much for that. Let's pause next. Check out your Friday midday sports on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the Chicago Bears kicked off week number 10 in the NFL with a 16-13 win over the Carolina Panthers last night. With the loss, the Panthers fall to a league-worst 1-8 record. Dante Foreman rushed for 80 yards and a touchdown to lead the Bears to the victory. On the ice, the Rangers started another win streak with a 4-1 victory over the Wild. Vincent Trochuk opened the scoring for the Blue Shirts. 
then with the score tied at one, entering the final period. Alex Lafreniere, Blake Wheeler, and Artemi Panarin all lit the lamp to seal the win for New York. The Rangers now 10-2-1 and lead the Metropolitan with 21 points. Brian Russ scored the winning goal 3.45 into OT, and the Penguins squeaked out a 4-3 win in L.A. over the Kings. Scoring in regulation for Pittsburgh were Sidney Crosby, Lars Eller, and Jake Gunzel. Well, it was too much Charlie Coyle for the Islanders to handle. Coyle delivered the hat trick to lead the Bruins over New York 5-2 for Coyle. It was his first ever hat trick. Boston now 11-1-1 with 23 points. They sit atop the Atlantic Division. The Isles have 13 points. They are in fourth place in the Metropolitan. Elsewhere on the ice, the Canucks skated past Ottawa 5-2. Montreal edged Detroit in overtime 3-2. The Lightning fell to the Blackhawks 5-3. Dallas beat Columbus 5-2. The Blues eked out a 2-1 win over Arizona. The Jets doubled up the Predators 6-3. Seattle a 4-3 winner over the Avs. And the Sharks downed Edmonton by a 3-2 score. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy Madden. Still to come on the Noon Report for a Friday. 54 years of Sesame Street. How pro-lifers can win on the abortion issue. And Cavs got that weekend forecast right after this. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. November marks the anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall. 1989, this symbol of communist tyranny came tumbling down, marking the end of a totalitarian nightmare. After the threat of Nazism was defeated, communism turned a third of the world into a police state the likes of which the world had never seen. Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, and Pope John Paul II recognized in a clear-eyed way not shared by many other academic and political elites that Marxism's blood-red banners meant not liberation but oppression. More than this, they saw that communism was not only something that should be opposed but that it could be opposed. Their collective strategies worked even faster than the most optimistic expected. As that deadly edifice of communism tumbled down, its fractured walls meant a no longer divided Berlin. No more Stasi. No more secret arrests. In the joy of that moment, and in the collapse of the Soviet Union about two years later, famed political scientist Francis Fukuyama declared the so-called end of history. He believed that the death of communism was the final obstacle to the triumph of Enlightenment liberalism and the triumph of democracy. He was, of course, mistaken. Though we may not be living in Orwell's 1984 or Huxley's Brave New World, the abdication of freedom and the embrace of history's worst ideals continues, and not just in China, Russia, and Iran. In England, silently praying in front of an abortion clinic can get a person arrested. According to a Pew Research report, a majority of young Americans prefer freedom from offense over freedom of speech. And in recent pro-Hamas parades across the West, thousands have proclaimed that violence, oppression, and censorship are acceptable as long as it's the right groups that are being harmed, oppressed, and silenced. The ideals of diversity and dissent have been reduced to slogans to signal our virtue, as opposed to realities that should be lived out in practice. And as a result, more and more power has been granted to state, to academic, to corporate, and to media authorities to rescue us from the so-called dangerous ideas, ironically all in the name of diversity and inclusion. To be clear, the people who tear down the posters of kidnapped Israeli kids are not replacing them with other images. They're just denying some people a space to speak. The younger leftist crowd increasingly think of core freedoms, like the freedom of speech, as questionable at best and maybe even a dangerous excuse for hatred at worst. And 
America, we now debate whether some speech should be coerced. In Britain, though silent prayer can be illegal, calls for genocide are protected. A world in which we are free only insofar as we agree with those who are in power? Well, that's a world that's not free at all. During the 20th century, the world moved forward on the inertia and inheritance that Christianity had given the West. This momentum, however, only lasted so long. Somewhere during the long fight against the twin tyrannies of fascism and communism, we lost the fundamental beliefs and the insights into humanity that grounded our ideals about freedom in the first place. So now, well into the 21st century, with this Judeo-Christian foundation stripped from underneath us, nothing remains to sustain the passion for liberty. And without a vision of ordered freedom, the claim, the rights and liberties are reduced to mere squabbles between various groups who are vying for power. President Reagan's epic call to tear down this wall will have been for nothing if something better is not put in its place. Western freedom cannot be preserved without a proper understanding of human nature, the understanding that birthed Western freedom in the first place. Only the description of reality that's offered in Scripture, and that's been confirmed by centuries of Christian reflection, is robust enough for that task. If rooted only in the malleable ideas of the majority or on the passing fancies of those who are in power, our most precious liberties will surely collapse, just as surely as communism's concrete boundaries did. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. All right, thank you, John. Weather next on Family Life. Here is your Family Life forecast. The call for this afternoon. Clouds, some sunshine, and high temperatures in the lower 50s. Tonight, partly cloudy in Pennsylvania, mostly cloudy in New York with a shower or flurry. Low temps, 30. Tomorrow, clouds, limited sun, chance for shower or flurry in New York State and northwest Pennsylvania. It'll be a chillier day with high temps, 40s. And some sunshine on Sunday, perhaps a fair amount of it. High temperatures in the low to mid 40s. All right, Kevin Williams, the Weather Authority. Thank you very much. It's Friday, folks, the 10th of November. And this is the Noon Report on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays during the Noon Report, we give you direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues at the state capitals. They are Jason McGuire with New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and Michael Gear at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Jason, I want to begin with you as we uh, take stock of the vote back on Tuesday. Republicans licking their wounds. I heard one commentator say Republicans need to stop talking about transgender kids and start talking about kitchen table issues, bread and butter issues. Uh, what's your take on what happened on Tuesday? You know, uh, a friend of both Michael and I in California, our counterpart there, shared a quote last night from uh, Dr. John Mark Reynolds. And it says, losing an election means conservative ideas are unpopular, not wrong. If they are correct, then we must persuade and argue, not give in. And I think we have to remind ourselves that as we're fighting for these you know, family values and life and marriage and liberty and, and all these things, um, that it may be a little culturally unpopular at
at the moment, but that means we have the job of persuading the culture. We're in this for the long haul. Uh, it's not just a one election cycle, even a multi-election cycle. It's a cultural change that we seek to bring. Yeah, we'll bring up the life issue in a minute, Michael. I know that's right next door in Ohio to you. Uh, I know you're very dismayed by what happened at the Buckeye State. But there are many pivotal school board elections uh, as well. The, the big one, of course, the state Supreme Court uh, race. Uh, what do these races portend? I know uh, many call 2023 a dress rehearsal for 2024. Um, what do they say about what we may see come next year? Well, it's been a mixed bag on the school board elections that we've seen across Pennsylvania. There are some areas where, especially the news media, what I would call the leftist news media, have weighed in heavily on some school board races, you know, talking about groups like Moms for Liberty and uh, pinning the hate group label on them. And that turned some conservative school boards into losses for those conservatives. But we've seen conservative school boards in other places succeed in some races flipped in a good direction on school boards. In the state Supreme Court election, we saw lots of outside money come into the state uh, spending uh, significant amounts of money on the abortion issue. Yeah. And that certainly is a challenge for the uh, pro-life candidates right now to figure out how to message on the pro-life issue in a winning way. Yeah, I want to play a soundbite uh, from former New York State Senator David Carlucci. Jason, get your take on what happened. Of course, it wasn't just in Ohio with issue one. Uh, also in Virginia, clean sweep there means the 15-week abortion ban. Not going to happen. But here's a Democratic strategist David Carlucci. Abortion is the issue. It wins. And I think you're going to see Democrats scramble starting today to try to get abortion on the ballot in as many states as possible, because that's really driving voters out. So this bodes extremely well for Democrats, a real morale booster heading into 2024. Is this a poison pill for Republicans, Jason, uh, in those key battleground states in 2024? Well, I think it will be if Republicans don't learn how to talk about the issue. You know, I'd reframe the debate in a couple of ways. One, I do think we have to talk about Democratic extremism on abortion, and most Republicans are still afraid of the issue and are not talking about it. Second, we have to understand that reframing the debate means that this is not about abortion, but really Americans and their individual sense of uh, life and liberty really elevate that principle of personal autonomy. And so every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. There's a spiritual problem in America right now. We need to have a realignment. Yeah. Uh, Michael, you don't need to be told this, and Ohio makes it seven for seven in these states' efforts to enshrine abortion rights into their state constitution. These aren't blue states. All of them, you got Ohio now joining Kansas, traditionally more conservative states. But when it comes to these culture wars, seems to be going the other way on this. Uh, how do you make sense of how abortion is driving traffic at the polls, not just in 2023, but we saw it last year. We'll probably see it again next year. Well, we understand that the law is a teacher, and we've had 50 years almost under Roe versus Wade with uh, basically abortion on demand being allowed uh, you know, across the country imposed by the courts, and people have learned from that. And then we have sort of untruths that are being spoken in these campaigns. For example, when a woman faces an ectopic pregnancy, which is where the uh, fertilized egg and, and the embryo starts growing in the fallopian tube, and being told by the pro-abortion side uh, that uh, the pro-lifers would not allow her to get medical care in that circumstance. That's a blatant lie. And so we have the situation of Roe versus Wade being legal for all these years for people basically understanding abortion is always accessible. And then being told lies like you can't get treatment for an ectopic pregnancy has skewed the argument. And it is a challenging situation to try to get the truth out, especially when we have the media.
media serving as a megaphone to continue to promote these untruths about what abortion is, number one, yeah. and about the treatment that is available. Gotcha. Let's talk about the, the growing anti-Semitism movement. It seems to be centered on America's college campuses. Uh, why that is is up for debate, but there were hearings on Capitol Hill this week talking about all the Arab donors uh, that give money to places like Harvard, UPenn, and uh, Cornell, Jason. Uh, New York uh, Assembly Republicans have announced legislation that would require colleges implement anti-Semitic training or lose state funding. Do you support this legislation and why? Yeah, I think in principle we, we do. I mean, we support efforts to try to rein in what is happening. There is a fine line. I want to make sure that free speech is protected on campuses and students do have a right to speak out, even if it's disagreeable language. Uh, we're generally not uh, really uh, supportive of, of seeing efforts to, to rein in free speech. But it is crossing the line in a lot of these campuses to where Jewish students are feeling threatened and being threatened by the actions that are happening. And I think uh, rather than to keep funding this uh, with millions and millions of dollars uh, without there being any check and balance, the state has an obligation. Yeah, Michael, what's your uh, thoughts on the reach of free speech? Uh, we saw members of Congress like Rashida Tlaib be censured this week for repeating lines from terrorists uh, from the river to the sea, which Israel finds greatly offensive. Uh, you've got uh, Cornell professor calling the Hamas attacks exhilarating. Is that free speech or is that hate speech and should that be illegal? Well, again, the fine line that Jason is talking about is one that we have to be very watchful of. I think that when we have calls for genocide, for calls for killing people, we need to be very circumspect as a society about how we address them and then speaking out against them. One of the things that we've seen on the college campuses is the college administrations not presenting a counter message and saying, well, the students are allowed to say these things or these protesters are allowed to say these things. This is what we think the truth is, and we need to speak out against them. The college presidents, they'll speak out boldly against someone like Riley Gaines, who's saying something they don't like. But then when we have these uh, Palestinian protesters or others or Hamas supporters saying things, the college administrations are silent. Yeah. Back to Riley Gaines in a minute, Michael. But Jason, almost over the year is. I know there's so many issues as we flip the switch to 2024. That's when the New York State legislative session will kick into high gear. What are some of the issues that you're watching next year? You know, I think assisted suicide will be one of the key issues we'll be fighting next year. Uh, that will just come back with a vengeance, I'm afraid. And frankly, there is a ballot amendment uh, coming to all New York voters in November 2024 that we'll be working all year on. There's no way to stop it now other than at the general election ballot, but it essentially will expand, again, abortion rights here in New York and our Constitution, but also will remove parental rights in many situations. Yeah. Uh, it's not all doom and gloom, folks. There are bright lights out there, Michael. You had a couple of them at your banquet in Hershey back on Monday, Seth Dillon, and who you mentioned, Riley Gaines. Give our listeners a brief recap of what transpired then. It was a great evening. We had uh, almost 1,300 Pennsylvanians and some people actually from out of state. Riley Gaines was uh, uh, just wonderful. I mean, she was humorous, but also had some very strong points about her Christian faith, about what we're seeing in the culture, and about the need for all of us to be courageous and speak forth. And certainly Seth Dillon, the same sort of thing. He talked about an award that we gave, Power of One Award, to a high school student who fought against uh, boys being on the girls' sports team. Uh, we gave that award to her, and, and uh, Seth Dillon talked about the Power of One Award, our award, 
that really does highlight when one person speaks out it, uh, that courage is contagious mm. and the more people then will speak out. All right. We'll keep fighting the good fight and uh, nobody fights it as well as you two. Uh, Jason McGuire, if folks have questions about New Yorkers for constitutional freedoms, what are you anyway? You have a website where folks can go. What is that, sir? AlbanyUpdate.com. And the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Uh, join in on that fight. Michael, where can folks learn more? PAFamily.org. Guys, thank you very much. Capital Connection, the name of the program, comes your way Fridays during the Noon Report or online anytime, familylife.org. A very good afternoon to all. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. We've got a fairly quiet weekend ahead weather-wise for this afternoon. Clouds, some sunshine, and high temperatures in the lower 50s. Tonight, partly cloudy in Pennsylvania, mostly cloudy in New York with a shower or a flurry. Low temps, 30s. Tomorrow... Clouds, limited sun, chance for shower or flurry in New York State and northwest Pennsylvania. It'll be a chillier day with high temps, 40s, and some sunshine on Sunday, perhaps a fair amount of it. High temperatures in the low to mid-40s. All in all, not a bad weekend. Thank you, Kevin. Finally at noon, celebrating an iconic TV show that was born on this date 54 years ago. It was November 10th, 1969, and it all began with Gordon, Sally, and Big Bird, and it was an immediate television sensation. Well, today is National Sesame Street Day, and it commemorates the premiere of what has become the most widely viewed kids' show in the world. Teaching us our colors and our ABCs, the show earned its 101st Emmy Award in 2005, setting the Guinness World Record for most Emmy wins by a television series. And even though the show isn't as popular now as it once was, many kids and grown-ups carry fond memories of days spent learning and laughing with Big Bird, Elmo, and Oscar the Grouch. So today, whether you have sunny skies, remember C is for cookie, or count a bunch of things, remember that you'll always know... Brian Query, Family Life News. All right, thank you very much, Brian. And just like that, folks, we are out of time for Friday, the 10th of November. Have a wonderful weekend. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to The Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.